Today's show is brought to you by Pleasureland RV. Best in the Midwest. Learn more at PleasurelandRV.com. WCCO Outdoors on News Talk 830. It is 5.06 p.m. on this Sunday, August 20th, 2023. I am Rob Jerison. Very excited to be with you for the next hour. Full hour, full live hour of fine outdoors chatter coming at you. Uh, Game Fair 2023 has officially wrapped up. That uh, the the gate closed up there, I believe, at, at 5 p.m. Another great weekend, by all reports. I heard uh, they had great weather. Uh, yeah, hot yesterday, but very comfortable today. A little hazy out there, of course, but uh, overall, I don't think uh, the folks up at Game Fair could be disappointed with how this year's event went. Uh, I'm glad to uh, glad to see another great Game Fair under our belt. State Fair, of course, kicking off this Thursday. And, uh, hey, it's going to be hot this week. I'm hoping it should cool down. I'm thinking maybe by the time the State Fair opens, it won't be quite as brutal as, as, as they're forecasting for the next several days. I encourage folks, stop at the outdoor news booth out there with the corner of Judson and Nelson. I will be out there early, uh, the, yeah, the the, the, the t- Monday and uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of, of not this week, but the following week, of course, when the fair is underway. I'd love to uh, to meet with folks directly chat a little bit, maybe uh, talk some outdoor topics. Uh, and uh, we're our booth uh, right behind the DNR stage. And, uh, by the way, press release from the Minnesota DNR, I think it was yesterday. Uh, they've got uh, some new entertainment, new presentations uh, as part of the uh, 2023 State Fair lineup on the DNR stage. Uh, always, uh, There's always a lot of fun things cooking out there. The, uh, the DNR's got a great, of course, uh, you know, a, a very large booth uh, going out there, Buy your uh, your hunting licenses for this fall. I don't think they're going to have the print version of the reg regulations just yet. Uh, maybe by the end of the fair. They did not have them at Game Fair, which is a little disappointing. That's something I always try to pick up out there. Uh, what do we got cooking here today? In about 10 minutes or so, my friend Mark Norquist is going to join me. He's got a website, modcarn.com. Modern Carnivore is... Uh, uh, his the name of his operation. He's a he's a big recruitment guy. He's out there trying to recruit adult onset hunters, folks that maybe didn't grow up around hunting, uh, but have an interest in it. They're hunters and they don't know it yet. Uh, he's he's done a great job over the years working with the DNR here and other state agencies trying to recruit folks uh, into the hunting ranks. And he's got an event coming up in September. We're going to chat uh, with him about. Bottom of the hour, John Pullman is going to join me. John's been with us at least once before. Uh, he is uh, the South Dakota columnist for Outdoor News. We've got a little bit of a pheasant forecast coming at you from John. Uh, the means by which John was able to obtain that information was frustrating. We're going to talk about that uh, a little bit more, too. I've got uh, I got a couple rants cooking in my gut about uh, state and federal agencies. Not Minnesota DNR, I want to be clear. I'm, I'm Mostly pleased with how the Minnesota DNR distributes information and the access they provide to journalists. But uh, South Dakota, not so good. And the federal government, I had a really uh, difficult situation this past week with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. I dared to ask a couple questions about the federal duck stamp. Uh, my goodness, you thought I was asking for uh, the nuclear codes or for uh, Hunter Biden's password to his laptop, as much hassle as I got uh, from uh, some folks at the Fish and Wildlife Service just trying to get a couple of simple questions answered. Again, perhaps I will uh, talk with John Pullman about that a little bit later. I want to kick off the broadcast with the time I have left this segment and talk about we got the uh, the waterfowl numbers, the duck numbers. Uh, I got them via Ducks Unlimited, the 2023 waterfowl population survey results. 
Uh, and it's not good news. Uh, overall, total duck numbers uh, in the United States uh, down 7% from a year ago, 32.3 million, down from 34.7 million. Still a lot of ducks, I suppose, to folks out there listening. But, uh, you know, there have been years when it's been much higher. We're 9% below the long-term average. And that long-term average goes back to, like, the mid-1950s, I believe, like 1955. Uh, And uh, a lot of different species are down. For years and years, you'd see a lot of duck species down, like scop, canvasback, a lot of your divers. And the feds and even the state a little bit would say, well, you know what, the bread and butter bird out there are mallards. Well, mallards are down 18% from 2022, 23% below the long-term average. Some really disturbing trends here uh, with you know some of our with with our duck populations, and it's in my opinion it's not a big surprise. Uh, pond counts are down. I mean, you know the 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 feds. The nonprofits like Ducks Unlimited are going to say, well, it's a drought. The, the, the pond counts, they also count the number of ponds out there because ducks need wetlands. And and they're going to say, well, you know, it's, it's because we're, we're in the middle of a drought. And there's certainly some truth to that. But the fact that these year after year, these long-term averages, what we're seeing, we're below those numbers is really disheartening. For years, we would, you know, we'd see duck numbers down, but we were above the long-term average. And they like to throw that in our face. Well, we're still above the long-term average. Hey, what are you going to do? Well, now we're, every year we creep below, further and further below that, that LTA. Uh, and you know, there's a quote here in this press release from Ducks Unlimited. Uh, quote, these results are somewhat disappointing. I'll tell you what, when, when Ducks Unlimited is talking that way, it's not good out there. And you know, I, I know there's there's a shrinking audience for waterfall hunting in this country and even in this state. One reason I love game fair so much is because it's kind of that last bastion of of bird hunters. A lot, obviously, a lot of upland bird hunting, pheasants, rough grouse, etc. But there's still the hardcore. You know, you, you go out to game fair, you hear a lot of guys harping on the duck calls. It's that last bastion of of serious duck hunters, in my opinion. That's one reason I love that event so much. If I've done a lot of things out of doors. I mean, it, you, you name it, I've probably done it. I, I haven't bungee jumped, okay? But you know, I've backpacked all over North America. I've done a lot of non-consumptive things. I've boundary waters. I've fished up in the Arctic Circle. I've caribou hunted in the Arctic Circle. Uh, I've, I've gone mule deer hunting in the desert southwest. I've duck hunted. I've upland bird hunted. I've, I've again, non-consumptive, cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, uh, spent a lot of time on the coast bird watching, that sort of thing. If I could be doing one thing out of doors, if you, you put a gun in my head and said, Rob, you got you get to pick one thing to do out of doors, it would be a good day of waterfall hunting, a good day of duck hunting especially. I was out biking with a buddy this weekend, and, and we saw some ducks, and he was like, hey, Rob, how can you duck hunt? What's that about? And I just said, you know what, there, there's just something old school, Old school hunting about it, you know, you're you're out in a wetland, really at the mercy of the ele- of the elements. You know, you never know what kind of duck is going to come in. There's so many different species. That's part of it. Identifying your birds, wing shooting is challenging. I'm not I'm not a very good wing shooter. I wish I was better. I should shoot more. I'm a, I'm a really good rifle shot and handgunner. Uh, you give me a target, a, a stationary target, I'm pretty good. You add that that third element, right? Uh, where, where something's flying, and I'm not as good. But back in the day, I was better. And a good day of duck hunting, man, 
it's it's so much fun, and I wish more people could experience it. And that's why I get worked up when I see waterfall numbers down. Uh, we we need to do better in this country at protecting wetlands. And you know, if you listen to the show, you know we're going the wrong way. Uh, we just had another Supreme Court ruling that basically uh, removed more Clean Water Act protections for this na- for the nation's wetlands, which is you know really disappointing. And it's going to con- continue to contribute to this. We lost CR- a lot of CRP acres, conservation reserve program acres. Uh, the, the federal government's not willing to spend as much on that. Farm ground is just too darn valuable. I get it. We're feeding the world, but we're we're losing an incredible. North American resource here. The fall migration is one of the greatest things to, to witness in, in this country. Maybe in you know one of the greatest wildlife odysseys, it's not the best word, in the world. And it's declining because we're losing our ducks, because we're losing our wetlands, because we're losing our grasslands out there. There's not enough people that are upset about this. And so if you listen to this show, by golly, you're going to hear one guy that's still ticked off about it. Let's get into break. This is uh, WCCO Outdoors. We're going to be back, chat with my friend Mark Norquist. I promise that segment will be a little more calm. Welcome back, everybody, to WCCO Outdoors on News Talk 830 on this Sunday, August 20th. Game Fair 2023 has officially wrapped up. Looking forward to the State Fair kicking off this Thursday. I'm Rob Jerisline, and WCCO Outdoors will be with you till the top of the hour, 6 o'clock. I want to jump in now with a friend of mine. We uh, spent some time with him out at Game Fair. His name is Mark Norquest. He uh, operates a really cool website called ModernCarnivore.com, ModCarn.com, and uh, he's uh, he's in with us now. Man, oh, man, Mark, we are bearing down quickly on September, aren't we? It uh, comes quicker every year. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I, I, we've had you on before, but remind folks what Modern Carnivore is all about. Modern Carnivore is is a platform, you know, in, in terms of a website, podcast, uh, and a lot of ed, a lot of films that are focused on education and introducing people to the outdoor lifestyle that includes hunting, fishing, and foraging. And uh, it's you know, it really primarily caters to those who did not grow up with it. And really knocking down any barriers to entry. You know, if you think of, you know, so, so much of your audience, like you or I, um, you know, grew up with these, with these backgrounds, with families who did these activities. But for those who didn't, um, it could be pretty daunting. So we knock down those barriers and, 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 uh, open up the door and say, come on in. Mark, how do you find these folks? I know you and I have been at Pheasant Fest in the past, and and it's a great event. You have a good time there. We we commiserate with a lot of friends, but maybe it's not always the best environment for finding new people, right? Because it's a lot of existing casters and blasters at at an event like that. How do you find uh, these folks that uh, are hunters or anglers but don't know it yet? <laughs> yeah, exactly. As I like to say, you know, you used to traditionally talk about hunters and non-hunters. I like to say hunters and not yet hunters. There you go. What I do is is really focus on individuals who have a passion for either sustainably sourced food. You know, there's been the local food movement uh, or people eating organic, things like that. They're thinking about where their food's coming from. That's that's one way mm-hmm. that we get people interested because we can have a conversation that says, well, you know, you're, you're buying that grass-fed beef or you're thinking about raising chickens in your backyard. What about actually going out and shooting some birds in the wild that, mm-hmm. uh, that are, are, are truly natural? But then we also talk to other people, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're canoeing or they're fishing or they're, they're, they're camping. So they're out in these spaces where they do, we do these activities 
but they they're they're just not engaging at that deeper level. And so also we'll talk about, you know, going from an observer to a participant in the outdoors. So, you know, rather than just, you know, walking through the woods and going, wow, it's beautiful out here. Talking about how you can make that walk much more interesting. If you're looking at for sign, you're understanding what's happening. You're looking for signs of behavior of animals and, and wanting to engage more at a deeper level. And those are the conversations. They really resonate with people who, again, are doors and, and doing other activities already or thinking about their food. Mark, you already have a lot of success stories under your belt, people that you've worked with. And some of these folks are featured in another way that you're, another tool that you're using to reach people is this film series, How to Hunt Upland Birds. And I, I see some of the, the names and faces that are involved with this, and I know they're people you've worked with for years. Uh, tell us about this series. Uh, it's, it's really kind of breaking it down simply and easily for people to, to access the outdoors, learn about it, and then presumably take the next step and, and go out and do it. Tell us about this film series. This is a, a film educational film series that um, Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever owns and is brought out, but Modern Carnivore did the production on it. It's It's been a labor of love. It's been a couple years in the making. Colby Kerber, uh, who is the hunting heritage program manager at, at Pheasants Forever, came to me a few years ago and said, hey, we love what you're doing with all of your, your online education how can we do this together? And that brings us to today after a few years of work. And um, like you said, there's there's some people uh, in there that that others will recognize that we've been doing things with, like Ken Yang here in Minnesota. Uh, but there are also a lot of other people, um, the Dyer family, Amanda Dyer and her family out in Maine, uh, Ruben Mata in California, uh, Kayla Bendel in, in North Dakota, and Darrell Smith down in Georgia. And so these are all different hunters and we share their story on film. And again, if you think about somebody who is maybe curious about hunting, but sort of thinks to themselves, I never grew up with it. I wouldn't know how to start or where to start. Here are some examples of people from all over the country, different walks of life, different ethnicities, different experiences that somebody can say, hey, I can relate to that person. And they're a hunter. And they became a hunter. A lot of these people became hunters as adults. And so what we do is, is I traveled around the country and we, we really captured their stories and went out in the field and hunted with them. So we're, you know, we're hunting bobwhite quail in Georgia, California quail out west, rough grouse in Maine, pheasants and Hungarian partridge here in the Midwest. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Now, I can't imagine how much footage <laughs> you got, <laughs> uh, and then you condense it down into how long is this total? And, and it's probably bite-sized, right? I presume people can, can watch just a section at once. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's five video stories uh, which feature each of these people, and they're around 22 to 28, 29 minutes in length. So like watching a you know show on TV. And then underneath that are are lessons, uh, uh, educational lesson videos. There's a dozen of those, and those are anywhere from two to twelve minutes in, in length. So, like you said, very bite sized. But overall, I mean, there's over three hours of content in there. So there's a ton there, and really covering start to finish an appreciation and understanding for what what upland bird hunting is in North America, and then how to get into it. And it's not just feel good stories. People are going to learn while they're while they're viewing this too. I presume. 
Absolutely. And, I, and that's where, you know, the stories, the, the lessons are obviously very straightforward. Again, very tight. So we're talking about equipment on one. We're talking about pre-hunt preparation on another. We're talking about hunting dogs. Each one of those is very pointed around an educational topic. But each of the five stories, absolutely. We cover a lot of things. And what's sort of fun is we've designed it such that I think people are going to come out of it and go, wow, that was really interesting and fun to watch. And maybe not even realize that they were learning in the process. You're listening to WCCO Outdoors. I am Rob Jerislein. We are chatting with our friend Mark Norquest from Modern Carnivore, modcarn.com. A couple of really fascinating things he's got going. The next logical step for folks perhaps listening out there is, well, I, maybe I'll watch the series. Maybe I'm interested in hunting. You've got an event cooking, too, uh, in Minneapolis involving some of these same folks, correct? Uh, tell us about that. On September 9th, we're, we're working with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, uh, another conservation group like Pheasants Forever, on an event series they have across the country called The Backcountry in Your Backyard. And uh, so they they chose Minnesota as one of the, I think, five locations in the U.S. and Minneapolis specifically, where the focus is really on how to engage people who live in urban areas in understanding about hunting and identifying you know the opportunities that they have near their home and, and far away from home, but really engaging in those conversations. And so this event on September 9th uh, in the afternoon will be a combination of backcountry and and anglers, the Minority Outdoor Alliance, and Modern Carnivore. And uh, Minority Outdoor Alliance is a nonprofit that was started by Darrell Smith, who is one of the people featured in the How to Hunt Upland Birds series. And he's going to be traveling up from Georgia, I believe, with his wife, Ashley, who's the co-founder of the nonprofit. And so that's going to be really fun for people to come and hear Darrell's story. We're going to screen some clips from the from the film series. They're going to do a Q and A, and then we'll do uh, we'll do a, a bird breakdown and, and some cooking with a couple other people, Lachelle Cunningham and uh, Cheka Parks. I don't know Lachelle. She sounds like a fascinating person, Twin Cities chef and founder of Minneapolis Meat Collective. Yeah, tell us quickly about Lachelle. So actually, Minneapolis Meat Club Collective is actually Cheka. Um, and so Cheka Parks, she, she is a, a local butcher uh, who does butchering clinics. And so I've known, known uh, Cheka here for a few years, and we've looked at different ways to bring her butchering classes into these events. And so this is one of the first events we're doing like this, and I'm really excited about having her there. Lachelle Cunningham, who uh, has the, uh, uh, the kitchen that will be in down at 38th in Chicago, Minneapolis, and where part of this event will be held, is a local chef. She used to be the executive director of Breaking Bread Cafe, North Minneapolis. She's the executive director uh, of Frogtown Farms. Uh, she's got a restaurant educational series for local entrepreneurs, just doing a lot, of, a lot of great stuff. So she'll be cooking the wild game meal. And both of them, Cheka and Lachelle, are brand new hunters. Cheka went on her first deer hunt last fall, and then the two of them w went to Idaho with me this spring to do a turkey hunt. Uh, the event, so let's talk about the event. It's going to be on uh, September 9th, uh, starting at 6 p.m., and it's going to be uh, down in Minneapolis, George Floyd Square, I believe, correct? Yeah, so it'll be down uh, down in George Floyd Square. That's where Lachelle's Kitchen is at. And then there's an event space next door. And so we'll be starting in the event space next 
next door there. We've got a URL they can go to where the, all the information will be there. Um, it's actually backcountryhunters.org forward slash backyard MN. Backcountryhunters.org forward slash backyard MN. And that'll have all the details on it. But yeah, so there's that event space right down there. And then next door, uh, the commercial kitchen where Lachelle and Checo will be doing the, the food prep. And if folks want to start by maybe viewing this How to Hunt Upland Birds series, go to pheasantsforever.org backslash how to hunt. That the best place to, to access that, Mark? Yeah, that or uh not to throw out too many too sure, many websites right. here, but but um how to hunt uplandbirds.org. Okay. And uh that'll take them right there. And it's long, but it's pretty descriptive and uh and people can remember it. And what might almost be easier, I got to think uh, you're going to have this all linked front and center at modcarn.com too. Absolutely. If folks visit that web- website, they can get to it quickly. Absolutely. Yep. They'll be, they'll be right there. Well, Mark, thank you for everything you do to promote hunting. Uh, I'm really looking forward to watching this series uh, from front to back, maybe with my daughter. Uh, and uh, I'm going to try to get down to that event too. It sounds like a good time back country in your backyard right here in Minneapolis. Uh, thanks again for spending a segment with me and uh, good luck with the event. Thanks so much, Rob. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Again, uh, start start with everything involving Mr. Mark Norquist at modcarn.com. Uh, let's get in a break. We will have more of the broadcast after these messages. Welcome back, everybody. WCCO Outdoors on News Talk 830. Rob Dreesline is with you here till the top of the hour. Then stay tuned, 60 minutes at 6 o'clock. And then from 7 until 10, a full program of Eye on Travel. So stick around for that. Jerry Lynn Steele uh, is not here this week, uh, but she'll be back next week. So I think uh, Jerry Lynn taking some well-deserved time off. Uh, so you're going to get a bonus Eye on Travel, full three hours of that broadcast. Uh, I want to uh, jump in. The last segment went long, so I want to jump in uh, quickly with my next guest, Mr. John Pullman. John writes a column for Outdoor News called Report from the Dakotas. He joined us on this broadcast, I think, last fall, one of my first shows, and he's back with us now. John, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Rob. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot for calling in. It's that time of year when we start to talk about the pheasant forecast out there in your fine mm-hmm. state. Uh if there's any one state in the union that uh, is synonymous with pheasant hunting, it's got to be South Dakota. Uh, and, you know, some things have changed out there. It's uh, it's a little different in terms of getting a pheasant forecast. Uh, let I guess let's start with the fact that, what, was it four years ago, uh, South Dakota Department of Game and Fish and Parks declared they were no longer doing a, a, a survey. Is that right? A real thorough survey. That is correct. Yeah, 2019 was the last year that we had one. In the spring of 2020, Game Fish and Parks, and then under the leadership of Kelly Upler, announced that um, kind of as a part of a partnership with with the Department of Tourism, they were no longer going to be conducting the August roadside uh, brood survey, habitat survey. And so for the past three years, this is the year number four now this fall, uh, we haven't had a report. And so we've been kind of going by, uh, you know, a lot of anecdotal evidence uh, in terms of what to expect for a season. Um, the Game Fish and Parks obviously has been putting out a press release kind of in anticipation of the season with their summary of what they things will what things they think will look like but in terms of an actual pheasant survey an actual population estimate um that is no longer uh, a thing here in south dakota it's no longer on the table and i think it's disappointing for a number of people uh both in state and out of state folks that kind of want to know what's going on and uh just reflect an overall just general change of um change of leadership style of game fishing parks yeah i completely agree with you and and if i can 
dig a little deeper here. I, what what I think is going on is that we we've in gen, we've generally seen a long term decline in in pheasant numbers in South Dakota and, and really across the region. Uh, at the beginning of the show, I was ranting about the decline we've seen this year in ducks and waterfall, and it, it's it's they're kind of linked. I mean, obviously, ducks are, are more wetland oriented, but they both need. Uh, a lot of grass. They need uplands. Uh, both of these species do, and we've seen a decline. Every time I drive to South Dakota, I see the amount of corn in that state advancing further and further west. I see sm- fewer small grain fields out there that are good for growing pheasants. I f- see fewer CRP fields. And so it's my humble opinion. Nah, I'm not humble, let's be honest. It's my opinion. <laughs> it's my opinion that South Dakota just was tired of issuing a press release year after year saying numbers are down uh, from last year and we need to do more with habitat. We need to maybe have a little less intensive agriculture out here. Uh, The powers that be in that state don't want to say that anymore. So we just won't do a survey and we'll just issue a press release saying every year basically saying South Dakota is the heart of pheasant country in the United States and by golly, come on out here and have some great pheasant hunting. Uh, even though uh, the numbers don't begin to compare uh, to what they were a, de- a decade ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, uh, it's just kind of a symptom of uh, no data in, in the terms of uh, the, the tourism folks out there is, is better than being honest about what's happening on the ground. Am I being too cynical? No, I, I certainly think there's an element of truth to what you're saying, Rob. It, it's Overall, in the game fishing parks and, and out in Pier, there just is a there's an effort to really control the narrative, right? That um, we, and, and they flat out said this when, when they, when they declared that they weren't going to do the survey anymore, that part of the reason why is that they didn't want to create any bad press uh, about pheasant season um, because South Dakota is a tourism driven state, right? Agriculture is the number one industry, but uh, actually maybe medical care is actually number one, but agriculture is up to the top and tourism is up there as well. And so it's, you know, they were they they didn't want to put anything out there where that was going to keep people from driving to South Dakota to spend dollars. And you see that the focus of the department, the game fishing parks, and 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 the tourism as they partner together, just their focus is is on that, making sure we are attracting people to come to the state. And I think, you know, as a resident hunter, as somebody that's been here my entire life, I kind of feel a little left out. And you know that they aren't maybe necessarily paying as much attention to what we want to know. And as somebody that lives here, you know, I looked at that report as a way to sure. to gauge. Not just pheasant numbers, right? But you know, the the people that wrote the report always included something in there about the the, the habitat status in the state. And we can say the South Dakota has the best habitat in the union. We have the most CRP or whatever. But it, it, the report gave us a little more detailed information about where we're seeing changes, wh- what the impacts of those are, and if you're not seeing birds in a particular area, that might be because you've lost habitat on the ground, right? And so sure. it's Again, it, for me, it comes back to controlling the narrative and wanting to only give out the information that they want to see in the public. And I, that's a disservice, I think, uh, to, to, to everyone, folks yeah. who live here and, and folks from out of state. Well, and, and if I may, especially to Minnesotans, I, I, I got to think the greatest number of non-residents who hunt South Dakota probably come from Minnesota. And, you know, they we're expected to come out there and lay down, I don't know, what, what's the license now for, for two weeks, 150 bucks. Uh, and, and spend lots of money, and, and we're happy to do that if, if we're being delivered a good quality product. But we don't even know that. We're, we just have to trust the press release that we get from, from the tourism department out there. Now, let, let, let's go in a little deeper. So normally what 
the media, the outdoor media does in a situation like this, when, you, when you're not getting good information directly from the agency that you can work from, is we roll up our shirt sleeves and we call the biologist and, and, we, and we dig into it and we, we, we write thorough reports based on the interviews we get. So that's what John Pullman attempted to do this year, to your credit. Uh, <laughs> but that didn't go so well either. T- tell us, tell us how that unfolded. You know, this this story goes back really, you know, a year. Um, but the last six eight months have really have really seen a change. But there's been a policy change at the game fishing parks where all media requests now I have to go through communication staff, communication director. And my experience has been over the last eight ten months to a year that the majority of my requests honestly go flat out unanswered or at the very minimum uh, a quick reply back say i'll look into it and i never hear back about it right and this these requests may be as something as simple as last fall avian influenza was running rampant through the flyway right birds mm-hmm. are literally falling dead out of the sky yeah. dead out of the sky and hunters are going are wondering what is going on so a phone call to the Chief Waterfall Biologist for the Game Fishing Parks, Rocco Morano up in Brookings. Rocco says, John, I'd love to talk to you about this, but I gotta get you gotta get permission first. And days go by, a week goes by, ten days go by, I haven't heard anything back. And finally I reach out back to Rocco and say, Hey, can we talk about this? And he says, No. And so, you know, and that's just one example. And there are others, you know, requests for information about the nest, the nest predator bounty program, um, information looking to talk to the, to the upland biologist, the, the new upland biologist, Alex Solom is his name. He's a new guy in the position just to have a conversation with him about, about who he is and his role and what, he, what his goals are and what he sees as challenges and promises for South Dakota, all of those questions that, you know, I think people want to know the sure. answers to, right? And it, it's denied. And you get pointed to a press release, or in this case, most recently, a podcast saying, hey, we asked the guy the questions already. Here's, I think you'll find most of what you need in there. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's fine. So, and so, dead, so, so, to, so to be clear, so John wanted to find out what's going on with pheasants in South Dakota this year. And he was referred to a podcast where the yeah. questions were, ant- were asked by two uh, public information officials within South Dakota Game Fishing Parks to uh, a, a biologist within the agency. That's what we're, that's what John was told. That's how to get the information on what's going on with pheasants this year. Now, you you went out of your way to point out in your count that these guys asked good questions, and it was pretty valuable mm-hmm. information. But it's not even a press release. It's like, if you want to know what's going on with pheasants, listen to the podcast. It's all in the podcast, John. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, it just it's it all falls into line with this controlling the narrative. And that, you know, that points directly to leadership, right? It's, it's um, you know, Kevin Robins, the, the new secretary of the Game Fish and Parks, um, it falls on his shoulders, but I think it especially falls, it points towards the uh, person sitting at the governor's desk. Sure. It's, um, Are you, you know, suggesting Kevin that Christy Nolman, Nolman doesn't want complete transparency on, on what's going on with pheasants, John? That, that may be true, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a sad, I think it's a sad situation. I mean, in defense of the folks that I've talked to at the Game Fishing Parks, there are some good people that work there, sure. right? Mm-hmm. And I think there are folks there that are trying to do their job, but they also are trying to maintain their job. And so it's a fine line for them um, wanting to give me information that they can, but knowing that they also they have a boss they have to listen to. Um, that's not to say that there are folks aren't out there that, are, that they aren't frustrated. There are folks out there that may have left their positions. Um, but by and large, I think there are people who are trying to toe the line right now. 
um, and honestly, just get to the other side of this administration and right. see if things change. That's that's my personal feeling. John, I got about a minute left here. Let, let's drill into. So you listen to the podcast. What what, what are we hearing? And of course, this is all anecdotal information because there's not a pheasant survey. But what's the general vibe? What what do you trust? What what do you think about the status of the pheasant report for South Dakota this fall? What what can hunters expect? I think that uh, based on the the comments from the the head biologist, I think that there are areas that are going to have decent pheasant hunting this year. Um, places that had that caught the right rains at the right time to help grow the cover that they, that those birds needed. Not only the hens in the spring for nesting, but also broods in the in the summer. Um, if you have those places that caught the moisture and have the habitat on the ground, you're going to see birds. Uh, the, the comment that stuck out to me was that. Um, you know, that uh, brood size, that anecdotally what they're seeing, the brood size is up. And that usually, that's a pretty safe indicator that the, that the uh, nesting season was strong. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to head out there. I'm going to give it a whirl. My son, Miles, he starts hunting for the first time this fall. So we're going to go out and chase roosters. I don't know exactly what we're going to find, um, but we're going to go out and give it a try. And uh, I think if we can find those places with good habitat, caught the rains, so I think we'll see some birds. Good. Well, that that's a positive report. That's what we should walk away from all this is that, Looking uh, like anecdotally, a uh, pretty solid year coming uh, coming at us for for pheasants. I think uh, Minnesota. We still do the uh, the roadside report. We're waiting for that data here. Uh, uh, young Brian Mosey just went out uh, with with some of the uh, the Minnesota DNR folks to get that report. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, we've had a drought, but drought's not necessarily bad for for pheasants, is it? You know, it, it depends on the timing of it all. Sure. Um, you know, it, it's one of those one of those things on the timing of it. But I like I say, I think conditions out there. Hopefully, uh, hunters will discover this fall that there are some birds, Good. birds to be had. Good. John, thanks so much for calling in and being so candid with us. Uh, great information. I look forward to reading your, your column uh, every other week in Outdoor News. And uh, good luck. We'll stay in touch, my friend. Thanks, uh, thanks, Rob. I appreciate it. Yep. John Pullman, he writes the report from the Dakotas column out there uh, for us uh, every other week in Outdoor News, giving us a, a good, uh, you know, pretty bright outlook for pheasant hunting uh, in the Dakotas this fall. Let's get in a break. I've got some other thoughts on my mind, and we will wrap up this week's installment of WCCO Out of Doors. Final segment of this week's broadcast of WCCO Outdoors on News Talk a 3 I'm Rob Jerisine. Thanks so much for joining us for the past hour. Had some good conversations. I've got a couple topics left to uh, flesh out here before we go. Uh, one, I don't believe I mentioned, uh, you know, several weeks ago I talked about uh, Sean Parrish passing away. And uh, just Joe Dugan joined me on the show, and we, we remembered Sean. Sean's memorial service was yesterday. Uh, but there was another kind of important passing in the state outdoor scene. Rod Sando uh, died. I believe he was still out living out west. Rod was the DNR commissioner during the 1990s. Uh, he left, I believe he left the job in 99. Uh, he was uh, Governor Arnie Carlson's uh, DNR, commissioner and, DNR commissioner. And when uh, Jesse was elected, Jesse brought in someone new. And, you know, that's the purview of any governor. Uh, but Rod was the uh, DNR commissioner during the Treaty Rights era, a very volatile time for the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources uh, and uh, yeah, it was. I'm sure it was a challenging job. Uh, Rod had come up through forestry. Uh, he uh, he was, I think, one of the early people to uh, endorse Arnie Carlson. Which I I was I, I wasn't I was in college at the time, out of state, so I didn't pay a lot of attention to that election. But it's my understanding that I think Arnie kind of surprised everybody when he when he won that. And uh, Rod, being one of the early supporters of, of Mr. Carlson, then became his commissioner. 
Uh, but uh, a force, very, uh, very bright guy, had a reputation of being extremely intelligent, uh, quite an outdoorsman, a crack shot. I never actually hunted with him, but I know uh, Rod had that reputation. A lot of people not happy with how he handled uh, many aspects of the treaty rights discussions that occurred uh, with, uh, with, the, with the agency. I, I would say I personally disagree with some of the uh, choices that he made, but um, it, was, it was a challenging time, and, I, and it, it's, it's easy to critique. Uh, and I'm not sure I could have done any better, uh, given how, uh, given the hand that the, that the state ultimately was dealt in the in the treaty rights case. Rod left Minnesota and then went out west. Uh, I believe he was at Idaho. Well, he was like the head of the Idaho Game and Fish Department for several years, and then uh, there was some like Columbia River uh, Commission or something like that that I think he was in charge of. Uh, I. I mentioned in my column that uh, during that time, Sean Parrish wrote a lot of columns, and, and we locked horns with Mr. Sando a time or two, and I, I thought uh, perhaps Rod and, and Sean are at the pearly gates as we speak, arguing about ecosystem management and walleye stocking and a host of other outdoor issues. So rest in peace, Rod Sando, uh, with the first uh, DNR commissioner that I worked with very closely when I was, uh, I was just a 20-something. Anyway, lots of other things to talk about. Next week, we'll have Aaron Hebeisen from Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, uh, as well as uh, Steve Knutson has written a pretty cool book about duck camps, so some fun topics next week. I hope everybody has a great week out of doors. Thank you to the guests. Thank you to all the listeners who joined us for the past 60 minutes. I am Rob Dreesan, and I'm going to sign off right now for WCCO Outdoors.